you have a Bible, would you turn it into the Gospel of Luke chapter 11? That's where we've been at for the last several weeks, and we're going to uh, stick stick there. Uh, by the way, regarding that video, uh, Mike, I liked how you and I were both featured at the feeding trough there. Uh, thank you, Beto, for that. Uh, also, uh, I don't know, last night, it's the first time this has ever happened at an Angels game. Robert and I were on the, the Jumbotron. Fortunately, it wasn't the kiss of cam because that was, you know, that's always embarrassing. It was like karaoke singing or something. So uh, that, was, that was fun. I got a text actually from somebody who was at the game and they said, hey, you're here at the game. I didn't realize it was the barbecue. He had forgotten that. But he said when your your face came up on the jumbotron, he said, I found myself screaming, hello, Pastor Mike. So I thought that was, that was funny. Well, with the show of hands, how many of you have been maybe following in the sports world, the University of Colorado football team? Anybody doing that? It's hard to miss it these days. Recently, this past uh, summer, earlier this year, Deion Sanders, who is a Hall of Fame professional football player, He's a Bible-reading Christian. He loves Jesus. He was hired to become the head coach for the Buffaloes, the, which is the mascot for the University of uh, Colorado. Interestingly enough, years ago, like 27, 28 years ago, the university also gained sort of recognition and fame. Their head coach was a guy by the name of Bill McCartney. Remember those years? And Bill McCartney, Coach McCartney, is known for starting what group? Do you remember? Anybody remember? Promise keepers. Promise keepers. Coach Bill McCartney from the University of Colorado was the guy who started Promise Keepers, which became this uh, national, like it went on for a decade, where men would gather in major you know, stadiums to, to simply worship God. Well, now fast forward 27 years, and now God is in his own desire, <clears throat> has chosen to put another God-believing, you know, Bible uh, whatever committed Christian uh, at the at the spot of, of of head coach and so it really shouldn't surprise uh, anybody when when coach prime uh, which is what he was known for uh, Deion Sanders was this amazing athlete at every level that he he played he became nor he sort of developed this this nickname called prime time because when the lights were on that's when he would really you know shine and he was this amazing player he played professional baseball as well as professional football which gives you an idea of just the, the dexterity but more than that Coach Prime has got his players, one of the slogans that they have as a football team is the phrase, I believe. I believe. Because what Coach Prime realizes, really based upon what the Bible teaches us, is that how we think influences how we live. Our attitude reflects and influences our altitude. Did you know that in the Bible... The mind and the heart are often synonymous. Did you know that? The Apostle Paul, in fact, talks about what you think about, what you focus on mentally is going to shape the way you, you live. And so Jesus, as you likely know, often preached about the heart. And Jesus taught that where our treasure is, the things that we value and cherish will influence our behavior. Our values will influence how we use our time. Right? Our values will influence how we steward our money. The treasures of our heart, the possession or the passions of our heart will influence how we, how we live. 
Well, for today's Bible conversation here in Luke chapter 11, I want you to notice, really look for three things that Jesus teaches about heart health. Because brothers and sisters, Jesus wants his followers to know, he wants you and me to know that the condition of our heart, whether it be healthy or unhealthy, is going to influence, will dramatically influence sort of our life legacy. And so I've titled our conversation for today, Three Signs of a Healthy Heart. Three Signs of a Healthy Heart. I'm going to start reading, Just a few, we're going to have a, only a few verses here. I'm going to start reading at verse 36, Luke chapter 11, verse 36. Betta will have the verses up here on the screen behind me. Or for those of you watching online, they'll be on your TV screen or computer screen. This is what we read, Luke chapter 11, verse, I think I'm in the right verse. 33. Thank you, honey. Verse 33. No one lights a lamp and then hides it and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Now write this down, point number one in your notes. The first sign to look for when trying to really assess the health of your heart is to do this. Healthy hearts share, whereas unhealthy hearts hoard. Healthy hearts share while unhealthy hearts hoard. You know, here in verse 33, Jesus teaches that light is to be what? is to be shared, right? Not hidden under a basket, not hoarded for one's, only one's own benefit. Light is to be shared. Light in a dark room is to be shared. It's to be used for the benefit of everyone. You know, one of the fall rhythms that uh, I have recently started, in fact, just two weeks ago, involves walking on Tuesday mornings at 5.30 a.m. with Rick Capco, Steve Minsker, and, and Mike Vargas. They walk every day. I, my schedule allows me to join them one morning uh, a week. Now, for those of you who are walkers, and I know many of you are, particularly those of you who exercise early in the morning, there are really a couple of risks to walking early in the morning uh, before the sun rises and on the, into the sky. The first risk is spider webs, right? You're walking down a sidewalk, and particularly when there's trees on the, on the you know, boulevard, the risk is walking into one of those big sticky spider webs with those big spiders that just, you know, they want to cling to your face. And, you know, it's just, anybody ever walked into a spider web? It's not, it's not a fun experience. And so, the other thing that oftentimes, uh, a risk, if you will, that to early morning walkers are the commuters, the people who are in their automobiles, right, on their way, on their way to work. It's something that you need to, to look out for and avoid walking into. 
And so to help illuminate the path that we are walking on, Rick and Steve and Mike all carry what? A flashlight. Now these are not any kind of flashlights. These are like airplane flashlights. They're, they're blinding. You can see them from, I'm not, I'm not lying. They're like blocks away. You can see, the, see them coming. It's pretty, uh, pretty embarrassing. purpose of these flashlights is well, when we go into these coveys, you know, into neighborhoods, they'll quickly shine a flashlight. And the goal is to prevent you from walking to, into a sticky spider web, but more than that, to kind of alert these commuters who might be coming in front of you or, or behind you. Here's my point. The function of light is to shine. Now, it wouldn't serve any purpose to carry a flashlight and keep it in your pocket, Right? No, the purpose of light is to what? It's to shine. And a shining light shared, Jesus says, benefits many. So I want you to evaluate yourself. When you evaluate your own heart, do you see a heart of generosity? Or do you struggle with stinginess? Are you prone to share your stuff with others? Or do you hold a tight grip on things? Now in your Bible, go up forward one chapter to Luke chapter 12. We would, we'll pro- I don't know if we'll talk about this since it's upcoming, but let's read it anyways. Go to verse 16, Luke chapter 12, just one chapter forward and go to verse 16. And let's listen and read what Jesus teaches here. Jesus tells them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store my wheat and the other goods. I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now, what's Jesus teaching us here? Friends, I think Jesus is teaching that a stingy heart negatively impacts our relationship with God. Now, is it safe for me to assume that you are all here today or you're tuning in online because you want to have a relationship, a growing relationship with God? Is that a safe assumption for me? I see a lot of heads nodding. Friends, do you realize that your attitude and your grip on stuff will influence your relationship with God? Do you trust that God will provide for you? Do you believe that God will meet all your needs? You know, one thing, one way for us to, and we've talked about this in the past, so you feel like, Mike, you're preaching to the choir. I've heard you say this before. But one way that you and I can tell what we really believe in is is to take a look at our giving habits. Your belief in God and your belief that God can provide for you will be reflected in your giving. 
Healthy hearts share. Light is to be shared. Unhealthy hearts hoard. Now what I'm about to say might sound a little self-serving, so please don't discount what I'm about to say, okay? Friends, if you and I cannot be generous with God, with our money, who really is the one who is generous with us. He's the one who gives us a job. He's the one who, who gives us everything that we have in the first place. If we can't be generous with God, then hear me on this. It's going to be difficult for you and me to be generous with other people. It goes hand in hand. Healthy hearts share. Unhealthy hearts hoard. And an unhealthy heart will foster a negative legacy, but a healthy heart will foster a positive one. So let's say a prayer together, okay? So everybody put their palms out again in front of you. This is a generosity prayer. So close your eyes. Just to, Not that there's anything spiritual about closing your eyes. You don't have to pray with your eyes closed. But just pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus, please forgive me when I hold on to stuff too tightly. Please forgive me for when I hold on to stuff too tightly. And please help my lifestyle and my heart to be characterized by generosity. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Good. Okay. Characteristic number two. A second sign to look for when evaluating the health of our heart is that healthy hearts invite in, write this down, but unhealthy hearts shut out. Healthy hearts invite in, but unhealthy hearts shut out. Look again at what Jesus says here in verse 34. I keep closing my Bible because the fan's on over here and it feels really good. If you, if you get hot, just come and join me up front here. But I keep losing my place. But Luke chapter 11, verse 34. This is what Jesus means. He says this. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But in, when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. So you say, Pastor Mike, what are you trying to teach. Ask yourself this question. Are you teachable? Are you open to other people's feedback even when it's unsolicited? You know, I learned a long time ago that even the perspective of my critics have value. It's hard to hear criticism from people who don't know you. It's hard for, to hear criticism from people who maybe don't even have any idea what they're talking about. But generally, I've learned, no matter how off base someone's criticism might be, if I think about it enough, and if I just listen to it with kind of an open heart, generally there's some sliver of truth somewhere in there. Even my critics can teach me something if I listen. This past Wednesday, I was uh, sat down with the pastor to talk about his future and, and a few decisions that he is, is contemplating. 
You know, coaching pastors is something, and I've shared this with you before, it seems like it's, I'm becoming more and more, uh, that's happening more and more in my life. I guess that goes with the territory of being the old guy in the room, right? And many of you, I'm in good company because uh, many of you are in a similar place. But in our conversation, this, this pastor, who's younger than I am, he, he said, Mike, as I've been contemplating sort of my next steps of what I want, where I want to take in, in ministry, he said, one of the questions I keep asking myself is, are my motives pure? Are my motives pure? He said, I want my decision to be guided by generosity. But he said, I can't help but wonder if part of my decision in it, there's some selfishness that's influencing my decision making. Wise perspective. Now, my opinion, the fact that this pastor, this younger pastor, even sought out my input or even sought out my listening ear, sought out my company, speaks to me, really informs to me that his heart is healthy. Right? He's teachable. Healthy hearts invite in. When you, if you're in the habit of, of seeking other people's feedback, that's a good sign, brothers and sisters, that your heart is healthy because healthy hearts invite in. Are you with me? A healthy heart is introspective. A healthy heart is not does not shy away from maybe looking inside or to solicit the input from others. But a person with an unhealthy heart acts how? They shut people out, don't they? They close their ears and their eyes maybe to people's input. A person with an unhealthy heart will put around them only those people who agrees with everything that they say. Are you with me? I think one of the things, and you're all, I mean, we're all about, you know, many of us are at the stage in life that I am, but one of the things that you learn early in life, if you have a desire to low, grow and be a leader, is that you need people in your life who are not always going to agree with you who have a different perspective, who have a different lens, people who rub you the wrong way. Oftentimes when I encounter somebody who rubs me the wrong way, I often think my first thought is always, we're probably exactly the same. It's like two positives have the same wiring, but we're so critical of that person, at least I can be, until I step back and go, you know what, that guy is exactly like me. Important to have people, unhealthy hearts, push people out. A person with an unhealthy heart is not teachable. A person with an unhealthy heart is not quick to admit fault. No, an unhealthy hearted person will avoid accountability. They will refuse to look inside and question their sincerity. Are my motives pure? Unhealthy people don't ask those questions. You know, in the Bible, King David penned these words in Psalm 139. You, you, I know you've heard them. He says, search me, O God, and know my, my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Again, mind and heart, they're, they're together. 
Point out anything in me, God, that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. It's no wonder that King David was one of God's favorite kings because David, we see here, even in his prayer of Psalm 139, indicates to us that he has a healthy, what? A healthy heart. David was not afraid of confession. David did not shy away from confrontation when he was in the wrong. You know, when David had an illicit affair with Bathsheba, and Uriah was known as one of David's 30th closest friends. He was a mighty warrior. And basically David, you know the story, he has a, this affair with Bathsheba. Then he calls Uriah to, to the palace hoping that, to try to get Uriah drunk so he goes home and sleeps with, with Bathsheba. Because Bathsheba finds out she's pregnant with David's child. And when that doesn't work, David puts him on the front line so Uriah is killed. I mean, David, King David was not a pure king. Nathan the prophet gets this whisper from the gods that says, you got to go confront David. And he's like, ah, oh, really? But you know how David responded when Nathan confronted him? He said, I, you got me. I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. That's why God loves him. Because he had a healthy heart. He wasn't afraid of accountability. He was teachable. He surrounded himself with individuals like Nathan who could help him walk this straight and narrow. Which, by the way, brothers and sisters, that's one of the purposes of the church. You know that, right? That you and I, you're supposed to help me walk the straight and narrow just as much as I'm supposed to try to help you do that as well. We're here to help each other grow. Are you open to the feedback of the person you're sitting next to? So let's say another prayer together, okay? Hands open, heart open, mind open. Just pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus, I want to have a healthy heart. Again, Jesus, I want to have a healthy heart. So please bring into my life friends who will speak truth to me. Please help me to be open and receptive to people's input because I want to grow, because I want my legacy to be fruitful. Good. Point number three. A third element that Jesus teaches here in Luke chapter 11 that will be evident in your life and my life if our heart is healthy is that healthy hearts foster flourishing whereas unhealthy hearts poison. Okay? Healthy hearts foster flourishing whereas unhealthy hearts poison. Look at verse 36. I'm going to start to land the plane. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, Jesus says, then your whole life will be radiant. Kirk, what in the NIV version, what, what word does it use? Shine. It will shine. I like radiant. Shine's a good word too. But if, you're, if your life is healthy, it will shine. It will illuminate your path. 
to help you avoid from walking into sticky spider webs with big juicy spiders that want to suck the blood out of your face. Right? There's a lot of blood sucking people out there. They don't have your best interests in mind. They don't care about you. It's a sad reality in this world. I've come to finally accept that truth. That there are evil people in this world. And Jesus says, if you're tapped into him, your heart will be healthy and it will cause you to recognize that truth. Your light not only will see, it will be so radiant that not only will you benefit, but it'll benefit the people in your world. Would you describe yourself as radiant? You know, in what situations might we use the word radiant to describe someone? Can you think of any situations? Your wife? You ever noticed? I've, that's a good one, Kirk. How about a grandmother the first time she holds in her arms her newborn grandson or granddaughter? You might look at her face and go, wow, look at her face. Look at Denise's face. She is radiant. Or you ever been to a wedding? And see a bride in her, in her wedding dress. And people go, wow, look at her. She looks so what? Radiant. So happy. Brothers and sisters, Jesus says here that when you and I have a healthy heart, that our, ac- our actions will cause people to flourish. You see, love catalyzes love. Forgiveness initiates freedom. Healthy hearts spread. But check this out. So do unhealthy hearts. Evil hearts, Jesus says here in verse 35, will plunge one into darkness. Translation, hate catalyzes hate, right? Bitterness fosters anger. Right? A healthy heart is life-giving where Jesus says an unhealthy heart causes death. So ask yourself the question, does my heart inspire life or does my heart not so much? Does my heart, and when I look at how it influences my actions, does it bring out the best in people? Or do I bring out the worst in people? Does my presence cause chaos and conflict? Friends, we all need Jesus. Why? Because on our own, we're not going to create a life that's life-giving. We're not going to foster fruitfulness. Apart from Jesus, our life is going to cause chaos. Sad truth. We all need Jesus to live a radiant life. And I think that's why we're here, right? It's why we're tuning in. Show of hands, how many of you want to live a radiant life? Me too. Let me close with this. I was reading the, uh, an article this past week on the subject of repentance. And the author, a guy by the name of Daryl Bach, made this statement, and I quote. He said, a heart turned toward God... A hard turn toward God is only half the story. Think about this. 
A heart turned toward God is only half the story. He says, if you want to live a fruitful life, the starting point is with Jesus. So that's certainly half of the story. But he went on to say, repentance is not one-dimensional. It is two-dimensional. I am to love God and love my neighbor. So when I have a pure heart and I go to God and ask him for forgiveness and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, like David said, search me, oh God, it's not only going to be reflected in this relationship, oh, I feel so much better now. It's also going to be reflected out. Turn to your neighbor and say out. My takeaway from this article as I put it up against what Jesus preaches here in John, or Luke chapter 11 is that to live a radiant life and to establish a healthy legacy involves having an authentic relationship with my creator, with God, and with all of you. Here in Luke chapter 11, verses 33 to 36, Jesus says... Mike Decker words, healthy hearts share, likes to be shared, unhealthy hearts hoard. Healthy hearts invite in, we're open to other people's feedback so that we can learn and grow and improve and get better, whereas unhealthy hearts shut out. I don't want to hear from you. Talk to the hand, right? Healthy hearts foster flourishing. If my heart is healthy. I'm going to cause other people, help other people grow and flourish and improve. You can tell if you have a healthy heart if you, is if you cheer people on. I hope they make that putt, Brett, when we're playing golf, right? I hope they do great as opposed to, oh, man, I hope you miss that. It's, it's an indicator. Sometimes our competitive nature can influence our heart. Healthy hearts foster flourishing, unhealthy hearts poison. So I have three legacy questions that I encourage you to ponder this coming week. They're at the bottom of your app notes. Take a look at them. This is what is question number one. Ask yourself this question. Is my heart generous or stingy? And then provide for yourself an example. So when you ponder that, is my heart generous or stingy? And think, huh, okay, let me think about that. That's question number one. Question number two, is my heart teachable or is it closed off? Teachable or closed off? Again, provide yourself an example. Where have I been teachable this past week? Where have I been closed off this past week? And number three, does my heart inspire life or death? Life or death? And again, provide yourself with an example. So let's close in prayer. Put everything down. Again, hands open. Just put them on the, your lap. Just put your palms open on your lap. It's a posture of health. It's a posture of humility. Take a deep breath. Inhale. More of you, God. Exhale. Less of me. Again, pray. Holy Spirit, fill me up to overflowing. Exhale, Lord, forgive me for my shortcomings and faults. Now say, Heavenly Father, please develop within me a healthy heart. One that shares. 
a heart that invites in. Develop in within me a heart that fosters flourishing in the lives of those around me. Help me to be an encourager. Help me to be someone who sees the good. While at the same time, when I speak truth, and have to maybe ask people for accountability or call people that I do to, to accountability, that I do so with graciousness. Help me to be nice, not mean. So, Father, our hands are all raised because we recognize that to become a person that has a healthy heart, we can't get there on our own. Jesus, we need you. So in faith, we say thank you for the way you're at work in our life. In faith, we say thank you for the way you're transforming us. And in faith, we say thank you in advance for the opportunities you're going to give us this week to help those we come in contact with to flourish. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And everybody said, amen. So as you leave here today, one of the things I encourage you to do...